I don't know what inferior swill this is, but I ordered a lot of hula. The scotch on the rocks. Please, any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt. Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Glengow, any Glen. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Dracaris. Welcome to the Whiskey Snobs of Lower Moco podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm Jesse. And I'm Adam. If you're fans of this podcast, you probably already know that we're big fans of Ardbeg. Today is going to be another example of our fandom of the great distillery on Isla. We have three fantastic drams to drink and talk about. And I think we're all very excited to get this tasting going. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this tasting. Obviously, I'm excited to try Scorch. There's been a lot of hype around this latest Ardbeg special release. But also because I've always been curious about the early 90s Ardbeg distillate from the Allied years. So it'll be fun to compare the Arinam based and the 1994 Caden heads. Definitely. Yeah. Is that that is how you pronounce it? Arinam based? I was hoping we'd get into that. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. Well, that's about as good as a pronunciation as I've ever heard. I think this is probably our maybe our third episode focused on our bag. I think we've featured even more bottles even in our, our run so far. And I, I don't think it's a should come as a surprise to any other serious whiskey drinkers because our bag really does uh, have a special place in, in most whiskey lovers' libraries, especially if you like peat. I mean, they just really have a fantastic peat profile that's dark and smoky and sooty, but without being overly medicinal. And they just put out a consistently solid core range of product. And then, you know, every year with their committee release and then a general release, they do a you know, special bottling with some kind of fun twist, whether it's being aged in rum barrels or, you know, the scorch is kind of extra charred barrels. You know, they're, they're constantly being creative. Bill Lumstead is the master distiller there and he just seems to be a font of you know creative ideas so i just think they you know have covered all the bases and that's why uh, we continue to uh, drink their stuff and feature them so i think this should be no exception we're getting kind of the old and the new here and uh, it'll be fun comparison i think the only surprise is that ardbeg is not an official sponsor of this podcast <laughs> be nice if they were yeah Someday. Yeah, I, I agree that Ardbeg is fun. Uh, there, there's a little question in my mind as to whether or when or if already they've jumped the shark. Their last couple of releases, they had a pirate release. We're reviewing the dragon release. I think there's an upcoming aliens release. So fun is a good word to describe it. The committee releases always seem to be part of the fun of them is the hunt for them. I've certainly taken on the challenge every year with trying to get my hands on at least one bottle of each of the committee releases and have so far been reasonably successful. I was able to get this bottle of Scorch locally here in DC and was actually trying to get another bottle from one of my whiskey mules back in my home state of Massachusetts. And, and how, do you, how do you pronounce that whiskey? The Ardbeg? Well, that, that bottle is waiting for me in Massachusetts right now, too. If I was going to pronounce it, I would say Ardbeg, like a pirate. So I have two committee releases of Ardbeg waiting for me in Massachusetts, the Ardbeg and the Black, and st still can't wait to actually get those. 
I've only had like an ounce of the Ardbeg and I, I would really like some more. But anyway, we're here to talk about Ardbeg's 2021 committee release called Scorch, which is actually the second committee release by Ardbeg this year. And the third in a row whose name made online searches a real challenge because you had black with three A's, you had Ardbeg with who knows how many R's in it, and Scorch, which search engines would just assume you're misspelling Scotch. So it made (laughs) for searching for shops that had it just incredibly challenging. When this expression was first kind of uh, well, I'll say the word leaked, but it wasn't really leaked. But when it first was, was announced, it got a, a lot of people excited because it said matured in ex-bourbon American Ocas with a dragon char. I feel like what that made people wonder was one of the most highly regarded committee releases from Ardbeg, perhaps ever, was Alligator uh, and because of the Alligator char. And the fact that the Scorch was purporting to be an even heavier amount of char, it got me asking the question, I'm sure it got other people asking, is this going to be Alligator 2.0? And while it would have been great if we had had that to do a side-by-side tonight, I think we have a great lineup to compare it to. And I think both of you guys have had Alligator before. It's been several years. Yeah, I, I've not. I don't believe I've had alligator, but you know, I'm curious about the comparison because so alligator, from what I understand, was the standard ten year old bottling with just some of the whiskey matured in, in in heavily charred barrels, and and so when you draw the comparison to Scorch, you know, there's always a question of what is what is the age of some of these special releases? Are they six, seven, eight years old, or are they closer to ten, eleven, or twelve? And for whatever reason, Artbag is not putting an age statement on them. So, you know, when we get to the Scorch, I'll be interested in seeing if we can kind of uh, a guess as to the age of the uh, distillate. Regarding the dragon char, we know some information about the different char levels and what, what makes an alligator char. And from my research, I found that the alligator char is a number four char at about 55 seconds. Now, I have no idea how long a dragon char is. I couldn't find any information on that, or if that's even just made up. Like, did they just kind of coin this term? Well, if you, if you think about an alligator and then you think about a dragon, it's like, what, a factor of four? So maybe 55 seconds <laughs> times four? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's just called, uh, you know, turning the barrel to ash. <laughs> I would imagine it's something they made up or that's pretty close to alligator char. Because I've never heard of anybody else, you know, using it. But I, I think it's just a little marketing. Rather than get into some of the sciency, really cool stuff, I think we ought to just get right into this tasting. Let's do it. I'm gonna hold the bottle up for you guys. I love the art. I love that the label looks burned. And yeah, so it says right on the bottle, limited edition, fiercely charred casks. And for those taking score, this is clocking in at 51.7% alcohol by volume. That is the committee release, right? Not the general. This is the committee release. I actually have been skipping the wide releases unless I find out that in the much like Dark Cove, if the wide release is coming in more highly regarded. You know, if you can find the committee release, the uh, general release usually is not a very good value because it's the committee release comes in at like 150 or so. And then when, you know, the general release I keep seeing in the last couple of years at like 120. And and that's a lot for a no-age stated 46% ABV 
whiskey. So, I mean, unless it really gets fantastic reviews, I just don't think it's really worth rolling the dice on, you know, black or, uh, you know, I did not hear great things about the drum general release. Mm. So, you know, again, maybe it's like a good consolation prize if you can't find the committee release. But yeah, I kind of agree with your approach. I mean, Dark Cove is certainly the last general release that some people rated equal to or better than the committee. Uh, and I, I mean, obviously, it's too early to tell about about this one. But I do think it's, it's kind of interesting to talk about the, the char, what, what, what the level of char does, because I mean, a lot of people listening to this probably are familiar with the basics of aging whiskey, that the charcoal that's created by charring a, a barrel acts as a kind of a two-way filter to some degree because it uh, helps draw the, you know, it, it draws in the, the liquid into the char. It's a more porous substance. And so then it's like pulling out the impurities from the distillate, but then it's also kind of helping the tannins and lactones and other things from the wood feed into the whiskey. So it's a kind of an important barrier. And, uh, you know, I remember when I first heard about charcoal, you know, you kind of think, well, I don't want to drink charcoal, you know, uh, and, um, but then, you know, as you learn more about whiskey and you realize, well, obviously, you know, it's ultimately filtered out. I mean, even if it's not chill filtered, there's always kind of a, um, you know, physical filtering that, you know, they remove charcoal from, from the, you know, what ends up getting into the bottles. But it does uh, add a lot to the flavor of the whiskey. So, so Jesse, just for some of our, maybe some of our listeners who are a little bit earlier in their whiskey journey, could you say a little bit more about tannins and lactones and what those are and how they impart flavor to the whiskey? Yeah, that, I, I probably would have not needed to do more research on that. But I think there are two of the compounds that are in the wood that provide flavor. You know, you get the biggest kick of those in bourbon because you're getting new oak. You know, all, all bourbon in the U.S. is aged in uh, new oak barrels. And that's where you get that really strong kind of wood flavor. But, you know, the, I think it's the lactones that are more of like a vanilla flavor. And tannins are more of the kind of, some people are familiar with those from wine, that they're the kind of substance that dries your mouth out a little bit and so, so that's more of like kind of the woody flavor but there's a lot of other compounds in the wood too uh, those are two of the more famous ones but those are just some of the kind of substances that are in the wood that end up kind of making their way into the whiskey over the many years of maturation so so that sort of begs the question why, why wouldn't whiskey producers go for a heavier char more often maybe it's just you know how much wood influence you really want not everybody yeah. really wants a lot um, we do know that Scotch producers tend to char their barrels more because when they're using the used bourbon barrels, a lot of the lactones and tannins and other uh, substances from that kind of close-in layer uh, have already been extracted. So they tend to, you know, char the barrels to kind of reactivate uh, and make it easier to draw the the flavor substances from like deeper in the barrel or closer to the surface of the barrel. So, um, but I, I don't know what the science is of like why you go for two versus four. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a great case for STR casks, the shaving the inside of the barrel. So you get rid of that kind of used layer of wood and then toasting it seems to make some yeah. sense. Yeah. I, I also wonder if, you know, if you go with a, a char level four, are, are you taking on more risk in terms of what happens to the distillate over time inside the barrel? And maybe it becomes less of a controlled process. Yeah, it could be. And yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the elements of the art of whiskey that, uh, 
it depends on how good the barrel is. Maybe if it's not a great barrel, you don't want to char too much and draw in too many of the uh, wood right. notes. So maybe char levels are going to be kind of like that that new thing that distilleries will kind of compete against. You know, like where you know how far in like how deep are their cuts for the distillate, and then people say like, oh well, I do a thirty-five second char, I do a forty-second char, I do a forty-seven and a half second char. Well, and are we going to see a char level five or six one day? Maybe five is the the dragon char. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so we've been talking a lot about whiskey and charring, but we haven't had any whiskey yet. So why, why don't we get to it? Because I've been very excited for this tasting. And I'd like to start talking about whiskey with, with the, the way the way you kind of supposed to if you're going to be a snob. And you start talking about color. And then you get into nose and then palate and finish. And I mean, right off the bat, this is like a beautiful gold color one that I don't really recall seeing in an art bag. Usually I, I see like more like the lighter, almost like watered down gold or copper. And this one is just a beautiful gold color, which I think is just, just really nice. I'm, I'm guessing that part of that is that you got all that char in the barrel, giving it this color. The nose. I definitely get like the sense from nosing it that it's got a lot of kind of like I, I can almost smell the charring, you know? Yeah, I get green apple on the nose. Um, it, it's it to me it seems like a characteristically peaty nose from Ardbeg. I, I like that from Ardbeg that a lot of their special releases and their core releases all have a very characteristic sort of uh, nose to them. I think I do get that Ardbeg DNA out of the nose for sure. I find it to be kind of a tame nose, really, though. I don't. It probably would unlock more with water, but I, I don't find it to be like a super fragrant nose. I get, I do get notes of it, a licorice. Interesting, yeah. I think I kind of get that. The legs are kind of fast moving on this. I have a sense that maybe it's got some young juice in it. Well, I'll tell you what, I just took a sip and it is hot, that's for sure. For What's the ABV again? You said 51.7? 51.7. Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels a little hot for 51.7. I will say, though, that my first pour of this, because th- no, this is not my first rodeo with Scorch. My first pour, my first thought was, I think this bottle is going to get better once I get past the neck pour. and. Uh-huh. I, and once it's opened up, and I think it's held up to that. I think it's gotten better. Now, do you want to just say something briefly about what a neck pour is? And nothing really scientific about it, or re- there's nothing. You know, this isn't like a fancy code, but it's essentially it's that part of the bottle that's resting in the neck. You kind of have to like get past to get to the rest of the juice. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything sciency about it that you know, about why it might be a little bit different, but oftentimes on the boards, you see people complaining about neck pours or yeah, I've heard, I've thought I've seen some people say that they can't wait to like pour out the neck so they can actually just get to the good stuff. I would never do get that. To the good part. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because the preponderance of comments that I've seen are like you say, most people complaining about the neck pour. My experience has been 
uh, on both sides. I've, you know, had the neck pour, you know, so the neck pour is essentially the first pour out of the bottle. It's the first time that the, the bottle has been cracked, the foil has been peeled off, the cork has been popped. And a lot of times I, I've had a first pour that was phenomenal. And then I didn't enjoy the rest of the bottle as much. And and then on the other side, I've had some neck pours that were, you know, really kind of turned me off. But then over time, the whiskey sort of opened up, maybe because of mm-hmm. oxidation, uh, maybe because of something else. Uh, and I really, I wound up really enjoying that bottle. So what do you guys think of the Scorch? I think it's got a real, uh, like that licorice that I noted on the nose, I think is uh, still there on the palate. Um, and I get like kind of a piney, you know, resiny note, you know, that the peat is kind of um, very ashy to me, yeah. not like medicinal or coastal on this one. It's funny that you say there's a lot of burn. I, I feel like it's uh, it's got some heat, but I, I don't find it doesn't taste as hot to me as some other young cast strength whiskeys. Yeah. So, and I found that it mellowed quite a bit with just a, even just a little bit of water. For me, the it, it's all relative, right? I mean, I've had some whiskeys in the 55, 56, 57 range that just had no burn at all. And, and so, you know, in comparison, they'll feel a little hot, but, but to me, this is a, a fairly typical Ardbeg. I like it a lot. I'm seeing it on caskers for $350. I know, Aaron, you paid a lot less than that because you paid retail. Um, But it's, you know, I'm finding it hard to see what the distinguishing characteristic of this whiskey is relative to the dragon charred barrel marketing campaign that uh, Ardbeg has been waging. So so you're saying you don't see where it feels like it's more smoky or like charcoaly or sooty than anything else no I, you know i'd love to do a side by side with this and the the core 10 for example mm. because i i don't i like this i like it a lot but i don't find it all that different or at least not as different as i would have expected given the the, the charred label that you know is being burned off the bottle and you know, I, I expected to, to to either taste or smell or nose or something in the finish that made me say, wow, this is really, this is something else. Like like you took a bite out of a charcoal briquette or something? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. I've never had alligator, but I did see someone on the internets that said, that they did a blind side by side with Scorch and Alligator, and then he swore that he thought he was having Alligator when it was in fact Scorch, for what it's worth. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very interesting indeed. So I wish I had had some Alligator at some point so that I could have some memory of it. But I think the overall sense is that it's not Alligator 2.0. Right. And, but, you know, in some ways, maybe that's a good thing. I like that it can stand on its own. I think it should be able to stand on its own and not try to necessarily be compared to this kind of super high expectations of a dram that kind of blew everybody away. And yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's 2021 right now. Alligator was released in 2011 and was supposed to be this, like, a, like a standard 10-year-old bottling that had some components of it aged in, in that heavily charred, in those heavily charged barrels. 
So the alligator was probably distilled in you know 2000 or 2001 or something like that, whereas this is most likely distilled at least 10 years or more later. So a very different product, I would say, distilled by different crews in a different period of, of Artbeg's history uh, as a distillery. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. I think it's um, it's good. <laughs> uh, it, you know, as, as it mellows and I put a little bit of water in it, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty well-rounded whiskey and, uh, you know, no, no kind of off notes, nice long finish, you know, nice long kind of, uh, sooty, you know, peat on the finish, you know, on the other hand, like, is it, is, you know, if, if I did a side by side with like Ugadale or Corey Brecken, I'm, I'm not sure it would really like stand out as a much, much better whiskey. So, I mean, it is one of those funny things that, you know, I don't think this should be something you pay $350 for just for the novelty of the bottle. And, and those um, two, Jesse, that you just mentioned, those two are still sub $100 bottles? That's a good question. Yeah, they're probably creeping up. I think Corey, you can probably get for maybe 90 I think yeah. Oogie is probably like 70 or 80 depending on where. Yeah. But... But, but it, you know, it's hard to discount the valuation or, or the, the, the price factor. You know, I, it's hard for me to enjoy a whiskey and separate it from how much I paid for it. And that, you know, that's especially true for, for both the, you know, the, the, the really the bargain whiskeys and the higher price whiskeys. With the bargain whiskeys, if it's good, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I paid so little for it. If it was a high priced whiskey and it doesn't live up to my expectations, you know, there's obviously a little bit of buyer's remorse there. There's a little bit of regret. And you tend to think, well, you know, $200 whiskey should be twice as good as a $100 whiskey, which is not always the case. I mean, it's not a linear progression like that. Um, but nevertheless, you know, when you look at Ardbeg's, I mean, this is always for me, the knock on Ardbeg. When you look at their core expressions that are so good and so well priced relative to some of the other spirits out there, uh, it, it's hard to justify sometimes. Uh, paying double or more for some of the annual releases. Yeah. So I guess this begs the question, buy, try, or pass. And I think I I really enjoy this dram, but I would say this is a buy at suggested retail, maybe a little bit higher. I would not pay what Caskers is selling it for. You said it's like three fifty. Yeah, I mean, I mean. To be fair, I don't think there's a whiskey I would spend that kind of money on. No, oh, there are whiskeys that I would spend. I, you know, I I picked up a Lagavulin and Isla Jazz Fest recently for about that price. That's one of the best whiskeys I've had this year. I would pay that much again. It's fantastic. I love it. Wow. So. Yeah, I think it's a try. You think it's a try? Yeah. Yeah, for, for me too, definitely. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to not try any of the um the art bake special releases and this one in particular it's you know it's it's so characteristically good in in terms of the the context of art bag you know if you like art bag you'll like this release it's just a question of are you willing to pay retail or are you willing to pay double retail and yeah. for somebody who can find it at retail i'd say go for it yeah definitely if you can get it for retail pick it up but any more than that you I agree with the try because that starts to get into some serious money for something that you haven't taste tested. Should we Can move we... on to the Ari Nam Beast? 
Base? Sure. Beast? Sure. Beast? Maybe. Quick, quick. I think we've talked enough about Scorch, and I think it's time to try the next dram. And so for our next dram, uh, we're going to be going on the Wayback Machine um, and trying a pretty special whiskey. Um, it is pronounced as, a, a, I think it's pronounced, uh, Ari Nam Beisht. Um, and it's affectionately called uh, Beisht or the Beast, maybe, uh, you know, because of the last uh, word. Most of my notes from this whiskey were are drawn from a pretty fantastic write-up by the blog, Repeated Perfection, uh, which did a uh, review of this, I think, along with um, the Wee Beastie. Uh, it was kind of you know, like a double beast review or something, but uh, uh, just done in December. As that blog notes, the name means shelter of the beast or shelter of the animals in Gaelic. And uh, it's the name uh, of a small freshwater lock, Gaelic or lake, uh, that sits between Ardbeg's water source, the Loch Ugadal, and the dam built at the distillery. And there were three releases of this uh, in 2006, 2007, 2008. It was all kind of the same distillate that was made in 1990. So uh, even though they didn't, I think, clarify that, I mean, it was, I think it was all given the distillation year. They were all kind of called uh, 1990. And uh, I think you had to kind of sleuth or maybe there was information on the back that uh, indicated when it was, what, what, what year your bottle was released. And uh, so this was a two, the one that we are trying tonight is a 2008, which means it's a 17 or 18 year old uh, Ardbeg, which is, uh, which did not again appear until the 2019, 19 year old. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that one. I'll, I'll butcher it. Um, Aaron. So this is the one with the words kind of floating up on the label. Yeah. So if you look at the label, the words kind of curl on the right hand side. They curl up to the top. I, I don't have a bottle in front of me. The um, but this, there's a picture the, in the Peated Perfection um, right entry. What I have is the end of a uh, uh, a bottle share. So um, and I've had it on my shelf now for several years. So. I figured this was a great chance to uh, to finish it off and share it with you guys. So I think uh, Adam made a brief reference to this at the top of the show, that this was distilled while the uh, Ardbeg Distillery was briefly owned for a few years by Allied Distilleries. The distillery was closed from 1981 to 1989, I think a victim of the whiskey lock, the kind of massive overproduction of whiskey that led to kind of a glut in the market in the 80s. And, uh, but then it was revived under uh, Allied, which also owned Lafroig, uh, but it was only operated for two months of the year, give or take, for six or seven years until it was then bought uh, by Moet Hennessy and kind of uh, took off from there. So the Allied years were kind of, um, they, they clearly continued to produce whiskey. They didn't give it necessarily its their, their full attention or, uh, full resources, but, um, you know, uh, there, there were some great releases that were done. I think, and so I think then this was, you know, released during the Moet Hennessy years. Um, and, uh, they had the stock from the, um, allied years and, uh, they found creative ways to, to release it over time. So anyway, so yeah, this is a, this is, these are highly sought after, uh, because they are, you know, they dated from 1990 and they're, 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, 
you know, for many, many years, the most you could get was a 10 year. Uh, so yeah, let's crack into it. All I can say is I saw Aaron had poured some in his glass. And so I did the same and I stuck my nose in it and wow. It's you know, a delightful a nose. nose. I love it. I, I'm getting it, like bl- berries, like blueberries. I think maybe a little bit of fig or something on the nose. It's, it's really nice. I'm, I'm getting like more uh, lemon and uh, more grassy notes compared to the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say I didn't mention the ABV. So these were all released at 46%. So then, yeah, these are not cast strength, but they're, you know, at that, at one of my favorite ABVs, you know, 46 is uh, where you're not, you know, you're not getting as much of the alcohol burn, uh, but you're still getting kind of a full, full range of flavors. So maybe 48 is even better. Uh, but I, 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 over time, I'm, I uh, don't always love the cast strength. And I think 46 or 48 is, is kind of spot on the nose for me. Yeah, I, I don't want to keep plugging uh, Peter Perfection, although it, that the blog is well deserving of, of any praise you give it. Um, but there was there was a mention in the Peter Perfection uh, review of Arinam Based that talked about this particular whiskey not necessarily suffering from the lower ABV. In fact, um, being all that, that much stronger because of it. And and I tend to agree. I I don't get any alcohol burn whatsoever off it. I'm not saying necessarily that it's smooth. I'm just saying that, you know, to me, all the flavors and the notes and the nose seem that much more accessible because it's not hot, because it's it's right there, ready to be experienced. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's definitely a very different kind of whiskey. I mean, uh, yeah, the burn factor is, is much lower. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for kind of one of these modern art bags that kind of punch you in the face, <laughs> uh, you're not going to get it here. It's, it's definitely a more uh, mellow kind of balanced release. But I'm getting kind of that classic, you know, mix of like lemon and like that, you know, uh, bright acidic notes with like a dark chocolate, like roasted character. And the peat's just like very well integrated. It's not like, you know, peat notes that are on top of these other flavors. They kind of infuse uh, with everything. So, you know, again, it, you know, this is an expensive whiskey now. If you can find it, some of it's a novelty, but I think it, it's it's one of these that, you know, does deserve close, you know, sipping it's it's not gonna just immediately jump out at you but it really rewards spending some time with it but i think that's a great way of putting it that the the peat is well integrated one of the words that no one's mentioned so far is medicinal um and and often you hear that with artbag or lafroig and sometimes lagavulin but i'm not getting any brine i'm not getting any medicinal notes off of this peat at all uh and and that's not a bad thing it's um it's very enjoyable uh, but it's it's very uncharacteristic of other art bags, more recent releases that I'm familiar with. For some reason, I'm getting something that's very kind of floral. I can't really describe. I, I'm having a hard time describing it. It's floral, maybe heathery or something. Um, if it were done less well, I would, I would say soapy, but it's but mm-hmm. not. I'm having a hard time pegging it. This is another instance where I think that it's the palate kind of deviates from the nose in a way that's really fun and exciting. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. For this, I, you know, we, we do this buy, try pass and, and it's like, like I mentioned before, I, I think it's all relative. If you can find this whiskey at a price that's reasonable to you, whatever that may be, given your resources, I would wholeheartedly rate this as a buy. I really enjoy it. I really like it. 
Yeah, Aaron, I, I, I think I what I noted, I think, when on the nose and carries through is what I call a grassy note, but I, I think it is uh, somewhere in that range of a kind of a, a slight floral you know, undertone, uh, not terribly strong. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe you call it an off note. I, I think it still ends up being kind of pretty integrated into the other flavors, but some people might find it discordant. Yeah, I think I just don't have the right word for it. So like, that's just what came to mind is like, maybe it's floral, Heather. I don't, I don't really have much background in what Heather tastes like, which is perhaps what I imagine it to taste like. Yeah, so Jesse, when you talk about off notes, you mean anything that doesn't really fit in with the rest of the, the whiskey. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I mean, off notes is probably one of those like really kind of eye of the beholder kind of expressions. But um, yeah, where you, where you feel like it's not balanced in some way or there's something that's a little sharp or out of character with the rest of the whiskey. But yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to put your finger on it, I, I think. And, and someone, one person's off note is going to be someone else's complexity. So sure. Yeah. But you know, it's funny, we're not talking about Kabbalah today, but Kabbalah has a series of releases that they name after uh, symphonies and soloists and uh, podiums and that sort of thing. And, you know, in that context, if you think of the various notes of a whiskey coming together in a symphony, uh, and all of the notes working together to create this harmonious profile, any off note would be something that sort of detracts from that experience. Yep. yep. Great. Well, I think we've uh, done a you know good uh, tasting of this. I'm, I'm proud to send it off in style. And uh, now we'll turn yeah. it over to Adam to talk to us about uh, our third and final whiskey. Okay, great. Thanks, Jesse. So our third and final whiskey is uh, Cadenhead's Ardbeg 13. Uh, and I wanted to just kind of start off by briefly mentioning what an independent bottler is, because not everyone might be familiar with that. And, and so basically you have an independent company that buys a barrel of whiskey or many barrels of whiskey, usually scotch, although you see this in, in the rum world and for other spirits as well. And, and at some point that independent bottler bottles and sells the whiskey, usually under a combination of its own brand name and the original distillery's brand name as in this case, and I'll just I'll hold the, the bottle up so folks can see it if we ever release this video. The Cadenheads, uh, it has the Cadenheads name on it as well as the, the name of the Ardbeg distillery. Although sometimes for reasons that the distilleries have on their own, they may sell, bo- they say they may, se- they may sell barrels to uh, independent bottlers and stipulate that their name should not be, the distillery's name should not be on the bottle. And and that's perfectly understandable. Um, as you can imagine, once a barrel leaves a distillery, the distillery has no control over the quality of the product that is then uh, bottled. So an independent bottler might decide to recask it or do something else to the barrel that um, the distillery ultimately doesn't want to have their name associated with. So with independent bottlings, there's a chance to see a different side to distilleries. And so you might expect this to be characteristically Ardbeg or, or not. Occasionally, I think distilleries may sell barrels that they just simply don't think fit the profile of what they're releasing. And so it gives whiskey enthusiasts an opportunity to see uh, something else uh, from the distillery. The, the other point I wanted to make quickly is just providing a little bit of background about Cadenheads. Cadenheads is sort of an interesting uh, independent bottler in the sense that while they're very long-lived. They, they've been around since, I think, the mid-1800s. 
they're in my mind at least one of the better independent bogglers they're also they're, they're owned now by JNA Mitchell and Company who also own Springbank Distillery Glengyle Distillery and several blended scotch labels so they're very well integrated into the whole whiskey landscape of of Scotland they're known for never chill filtering their whiskey they never color it and they also have some shops spread throughout Scotland uh, and I think there are a few in Europe now as well where you can go and you can purchase some of their bottlings and taste their whiskeys and otherwise uh, learn more about the product that they're putting out. Now, I was particularly excited about this bottle. Uh, I actually purchased this from Jesse, uh, who purchased it from a friend of ours who was um, <laughs> selling off a number of their their own bottles because I, you know, I was interested in that early 90s period of Ardbeg distillate. So, um distillate that had been or spirit that had been distilled from roughly 1990 to 1994. So this comes in at the tail end of that time frame. This is a 1994 bottle uh, barreling that was bottled in 2007. So it's a uh, 13-year-old whiskey. Uh, The ABV is 59.7. So this is on the higher end of what we've been tasting tonight. I believe it's uh, been aged uh, totally in ex-bourbon. So ex- so bourbon hogsheads are what have been used. Uh, so now let's move on to the um, the tasting. And I actually am not as prepared as I should be. I hadn't poured myself a glass of dram yet. Uh, I'll just say the nose on this is fantastic. Yeah. I think this is my favorite nose of the entire evening. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. I think the nose is... Um, I would describe it as a little bit punchy, actually. You know, it's not closed at all. It comes right out of the of the Glencairn and meets you. I do get a little bit of soap on the nose now that maybe you kind of put that in my head with the mention of it earlier. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. See, I, I, I don't get soap. soap. It is nice. I, yeah. I, I, what I get on the nose is I feel like I'm there in the, in the warehouse, like smelling all the angels share and just soaking it all in. Like that's what I get on the nose with this one. So, so I'm a nose guy. I mean, you guys know that about me. I, I think I've mentioned it to our listeners a few times. I'll say it again. A whiskey that has a great nose is one that I'll immediately gravitate to. This one knocks my socks off, not because of the nose, but the finish is just so, the, the, the back end of the palate and into the finish is just so prominent, so interesting, so strong, and kind of, you know, it's like a medium to long finish. I just love it. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a nice long finish, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I'm I really enjoying the nose on this. This seems like a w- one that I would be sitting there nosing it for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's funny because I think today – the, the the maturation of whiskey in all kinds of different wine finishes, uh, different types of sherry ports. It, it's really become and now they're they're maturing whiskey in mezcal cask. Uh, they're really doing a lot in that area. But when you come back to the basics, or at least what I consider the basics of ex bourbon barrels, and you have a really clean spirit, uh, it's just I think the, the the bourbon matured whiskeys when you're starting out with a good spirit. Are, are some of the best that you can try, and um, this is no exception. Yeah, Th- this is. Yeah, this fantastic. is definitely. It seems very quite distillate forward. Like maybe is a very nerdy thing to say, but I was as soon as you said it, I was just thinking, damn, that sounded good. 
That's what I think. <laughs> we are we are the whiskey snobs after all. But you know, you know, with with bourbon barrels, they tend not to impart as strong a flavor as sherry. Sherry will add kind of fruit notes and, and other uh, other other kind of brighter characteristics. Bur- bourbon can impart a lot of flavor, but in general, you know, it's more mellow. And then you know, you never know uh, how old their barrels are second fill third fill um so you know but this one does taste to me like it's it's not a, a very active barrel but that there's a lot going on with the distillate itself that there's a lot of uh, flavor that's just coming from the production of, of the you know the whiskey itself and uh yeah I, I i like it i mean to me it's a bit it's kind of a quintessential independent bottling for me because it's a bit rough around the edges it's a little harsh. Uh, it's a little imbalanced. I find the like, it's got a very strong kind of roasted flavor to it. Kind of a lot of dark chocolatey notes, uh, which I like. But you know, I think it, you know, some of the great original bottlings uh, balance that out with maybe other you know barrels. They might take this barrel and they say, "This is a great barrel," but you know, it's a little dark. You know, maybe we'll mix it with this other one that's a little younger, that's got some brighter notes, and they'll use that for you know a, a well balanced. Uh, end product but you know this gives you like a fantastic unique barrel uh that cadenhead's got its hands on and it gives you kind of more insight into the kind of the different components that go into an art bag that might be a mix of different barrels so i think it's a lot of fun i'm really enjoying it i think i basically agree with everything that everybody's saying about it i'm finding that finish is really interesting and exciting and i would agree that like it does seem a little rough around the edges but i think it that can be another one of those in the eye of the beholder, whether or not that's an asset or not. I really enjoy it. I'd almost say I wish I had a bottle of it. I had an opportunity to go to a Caden Heads once, but uh, I was on a business trip in Berlin. Couldn't actually find time to make it out there. And I, w- I wish I could have gone there and just seen what they had and maybe picked up some a nice bottle because like, this is an example of pretty darn good whiskey. And I'm really glad you shared it with us. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I agree with, with what both of you said. I, I, I totally agree that it's a little rough around the edges, as Jesse said. Um, but as you said, Aaron, uh, you know, that's all, whether that's a positive or a negative is in the eye of the beholder. And to me, it makes this bottle more interesting. Uh, and, it, and if you like, you know, I'll go back to the what I said earlier. If you like Ardbeg, I think you'll love this bottle. And if you were to see this, by some stroke of luck somewhere at a reasonable price to you, I would wholeheartedly uh, yeah. rate it a buy. Do you remember what we uh, kind of, what, what, what the price was that we got it for? Was it like yeah, 225 or something? I think the final price was a, maybe a little over two uh, because we did that sample split where, where you took four ounces, I think. And so my final price was 176, I believe. Okay. So, so yeah, the, so, so, so the two something. Was, I think it was like $213. And the yeah. individual who was selling this bottle, I, I think at that time was selling bottles at the price that they paid for them. So it, it wasn't, I don't think it was inflated. Yeah. Anyway, so, so if you saw this, what, I guess what I'm getting at is if you happen to see this on the shelf somewhere today, you'd probably see it for quite a bit more than that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, and then it would start to become more of a value proposition because like three hundred dollars, yeah, yeah, maybe. But yeah. you know, that 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 would be a lot uh, for this, just in terms of the value. 
So right. I kind of think, you know, yeah, you're right that just based on scarcity, it would go for more. Uh, but I'm very happy with what we kind of collectively paid for it because I, I don't I don't regret that. I don't think it's uh, that, that we got over overcharged at all. But uh, but I, I would be I would I would hesitate to suggest someone to buy this for three hundred plus dollars. So, what would you guys say if this was a committee release at average committee release pricing? Like, would you pay $140 for the 750 milliliter bottle of this and feel great about it? Yeah, without question. $140 for the, the, uh, a 13-year-old Ardbeg from 1994? Or, well, yeah. or just this taste profile. I, I think if this, if, this, if this taste profile was released and this was the flavor of a, of a committee release, I think it would kind of blow people's socks off yeah. because yeah. it is it's it's i mean yes okay i still maintain that it has some rough edges um but uh but it is like it's not a perfect whiskey but i mean it's really flavorful yeah and it's really interesting and unique and if they put some marketing spin on this you know call <laughs> uh i don't even know what you you know call this you know call this the uh, uh, earthquake release or something. I mean, yeah, sure. you know, you put it in a fancy bottle. I think it would sell like hotcakes and, and yeah. blow people's stocks off. I, I totally agree. It, you know, to me, it's it's the 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 like I mentioned before the the mid, like the back of the palate into the finish. It just there's such a, a a good punch to it. I love it. And if I were to have paid 140 dollars for a special limited release from Ardbeg today. Uh, that had this profile, I would be very happy with my yeah. purchase. This was a single yeah. cask, right? 100%. Uh, yes, this was. Uh, it doesn't. I don't see that on the bottle, but it does say number of bottles three forty eight, and that's about what you would get out of a single hogshead. So I think I do think it's a single cask. A fantastic bottle. It's very good. I mean, I, and I think it's it's getting even better as it sits in the glass and. Aerates. And that makes perfect sense since it was bottled. It was bottled like, you know, anything that's that old. I mean, when, when, when was that bottled? It was bottled in 2007. But I, I just want to point out it has a it has a blue ribbon on it. So, you know, it's good. You know, it's good. Yeah. I mean, any, anything that's that old really does need uh, time to open up. Um, it's been sitting in a bottle, I think, for 10 plus years. You, you know, even if it's only 13 years old. Yeah. I mean, the, the cork broke on me when I opened it. It was, it was really, um, so I, I opened it before an Ardbeg tasting, a virtual online tasting that I was doing. And it, and it was just a disaster because then I had to, you know, I had to find another cork that fit it. I couldn't find, I have like 50 corks, but none fit it perfectly. Uh, and then I, you know, I had to split off Jesse's share. Uh, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I was, I happened to be drinking at the time. There was a little bit of spillage, um, you know, but it all worked out in the end. That's great. Yeah, this is fun. Well, so I guess anything else to say on this Cadenhead's Ardbeg before we kind of close things out? Uh, no, I don't have anything more to say about it other than I, I think we tasted three great whiskeys from our favorite distillery, Ardbeg. Yeah. All right. Well, that just about does it for this episode. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. From the Whiskey Snobs of Laura Moco, Dram and Good Health.
must say. Damn good stuff, sir. 